You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. I want to talk about our church again, about community. I've been sharing a series on it, and I want to continue it. I want to talk about protecting your church family. Can you say that? Protecting your church family. And I want to go to the Word of God, John 17, and I want to let the Lord speak through His own Word as we read it. But I believe that it is key that we understand the value of the church and how it needs protecting. So I'm going to begin... Uh, John 17, verse 20, and read 23. It says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. Everybody say, be one. one. That's the call of God on everyone. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And that the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you've loved me. Father, I thank you today for the demonstration of love that was given to us through Jesus Christ and his life on this earth. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of Christ indwells us if we believe in you as Savior. And now, precious Holy Spirit, unveil the word and make it alive and real, that we'll value the house of God, the church of God, and the people of God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen Amen. and amen. The Bible talks about this, that we'd be made one, or as the, um, the passion says, to be joined together as one. Because there's power in unity. There's tremendous power. You can take one pencil and break it in half. You take 10 pencils, you won't have a harder time doing that. Because there's power in unity. And I want to talk about the reality of the importance of the church and how the church has begun to become, it needs to become a very high value in our estimation. And you'll know it's of high value by how you treat it. And then I want to talk about how we can get it stronger and protect it. Is everybody with me? So we want to talk about the reality that the church is made up of born-again believers. That when we got born again, we, diverse as we are, we have 70 nations attend this church. We come from different Christian backgrounds. We have UPC. What's that? United Pentecostal Church. Lutheran. Methodist. Presbyterian. Baptist. Disciples of Christ. Church of Christ. uh, Roman Catholic. My wife hails from a Roman Catholic background. Um, And so we got all these different groups, and then you add the cultural mix, and then you have to say, let's all get together and have church. How many know in the natural, that's almost impossible? But through Jesus, we can. Because every one of us who've been born again have had to go through the doorway of Jesus. That without Jesus, we're nothing. Without Jesus, we we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and we're headed to a devil's hell. But with Jesus, we've been born again. He lifted the curse of sin, and now we're on our way to heaven. Hallelujah. But you know what? We get so concerned about the labels. What label are you? We wear labels. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Catholic. I'm Pentecostal, UPC. You know, the labels, God really could care less. Because they'll either blow off going up or burn off going down. They don't look in hell. Okay, who's from the Baptist? Nope. If you're in hell, there's a word for you. You're a hellite. If you're in heaven, you're a saint. And they don't have any labels. If you are born again, you're part of the family of God. And that we are born of the Spirit and that we are born into the family of God. Do you realize that's such a prestigious family? That God is our Father. Jesus is our elder brother. We get to call him brother. He calls us brothers and sisters. I know he's Lord and Savior, but, he, but he's also a brother. It says so in Scripture. In Hebrews 2.11, he says he's not ashamed to call them brethren. 
And so it's a wonderful thing, this thing called the family of God. It's a privilege. It's an honor. We should understand there is no such thing, you know, I come from England originally, and the English are into big-time pedigree. Anybody been lived in England? They're all about pedigree. Where were you born? What is your social standing? And what school did you go to? Uh, we have a word for it, snobs, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but you think about it, I don't care what your pedigree is on the earthly standards. If your mother was a king, your mother and your mother, my mother was a queen, your father was a king. There's no higher pedigree than God Almighty is your papa. That's the highest pedigree you can get. The rest is downhill from there. And so we got to see as our spiritual family is being more important than your temporal family or the family that you were born into. Now, we don't knock the earthly family. We thank God it's a gift of God. But the Bible talks about us at Romans 12, 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. The Lord makes it clear of the importance of the body is that we are mutually dependent on one another. He gives the illustration, 1 Corinthians 12, just as the body has many parts, but it functions as one, so the body of Christ. We each have different things that we present to the body. But we need one another. I said, I need, I need my family. And for a Christian to say, I don't need, I'm just, I don't need. Well, usually when they say, I don't need the body of Christ, it's because of several reasons. Number one, they've been hurt. Somehow they've been hurt. Someone in the church betrayed them. Someone in the church lied about them. Someone in the church took advantage of them. Someone in the church, and because that hurt comes, they disconnect. And the world is filled with disconnected Christians. They say the Americans in the body of Christ today, here's statistics, 50% of those who claim Jesus as Lord do not attend any church. That's sad. I, and that, that was pre-COVID because now we're post-COVID. I'm sure it's a lot higher. There's some of you watching me now, and I love you. You're in the Atlanta area. But... Uh, Eventually, you got to get to a place you put the mask away and you come into the real world. Amen? If you can travel through Costco, Walmart, and survive, go to work and survive, you can come to church. You will not die in this church. Actually, you'll come alive. But we have to talk through these things because we have these lies going through our heads about the importance of church. Church is so, so important that Jesus said he loved the church and gave himself for the church. Ephesians 5.25. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. The one thing Jesus has on his mind is building his church. You, as a member of the Christ, you are on his mind. And I want to say this. You cannot fulfill the purpose of God on your own. And I'll say this, if you say you're committed to Christ, you must also be committed to a local body. If you're not committed to a local body, then you need to go to God about it. And let me say, you need to pray. I know when we first came here, it's not easy to find a church that links with you. Does that make sense? You travel, you go through, you listen, you go through several sermons. Maybe this is it, you're not sure. I know what that's like. But I also know what it's like to find the church that God put you in. Amen. Pastor Bob Wright, remember the first sermon, talked to my heart. Second sermon, talked to my heart. Fourth sermon, I told my wife, this is the church, because every time I get there, he's talking to me. That's a good way you know whether it's God or not, because he's talking to you through the man of God. And we joined that church. I didn't know one day I'd be an associate pastor. I didn't know one day that I'd be launched from that church to start this church, but God knew. That's why you have to determine where you need to go to church. That's a big deal. But once you heard from God, then plug in. Don't become a spectator. Become a participator. Spectators never grow. It's the participators that grow. And so you got to say, I've got to become a member. Don't just attend. Become a member. What's that? Come to the membership class. It's, a, it's the step-up class next week and become a member. Now, some people are still seeking God about whether this is their church. Listen, 10 years is a long time. <laughs> Literally, I've had people here 10 years. I'm still deciding whether this is of God or not. And I say, come here, let Maxine pray for you so you can hear in Jesus' name. 
But you need to determine what you're called, where, where you're called to be. But when you raise and lift up the value of the church, you raise and lift up its importance in your life, then you treat it with great respect. And there's one thing you'll learn to do is protect it. Just like you protect your normal natural body, you protect it from harm, you will protect this body once you see its value. So let's talk about the body of Christ. Some of this is, is review, but I want to do, because reviewing is the best teacher. Repetition. Number one is membership is about connecting. First, we need to connect vertically. We've got to connect with God. You and I need to, that's the most important relationship we have. Does anybody here want to be a, have a stronger connection with God this year? I know I do. Lord, I, no, Lord, I want to connect with you with your word better. I want to be uh, more of a person of prayer. I want to fellowship with you in a deeper level. I want to hear you more clearly because I want to move further than you with you than I've ever done in my life. So we have this connection vertically. But this connection vertically determines this connection horizontally. And it's important because God says you are aligned one to another in the body of Christ and there is a supply that every member has out of Ephesians 4.16 for another member. And I shared last week one of the greatest supplies you can ever give a brother and sister is encouragement, is affirmation. It's a discouraging world out there. In fact, it's a crazy world out there. You got people telling you the news that they don't tell the news, they just tell lies. They make up stuff as they go along. And all this thing about, oh, there's so much stuff out there. I, could not, I don't want to get into it, but it, it's so confusing. You're supposed to pretend. This is what people at the university teach this. In fact, you can be fired if you don't believe it. You say, what? You have to pretend that if you're a man and now you want to be a woman, I've got to pretend you're a woman. No, I'm not a he, I'm a she. And I want to get my pronouns right. And so I pretend, you pretend, and then it goes all the way up the chair, uh, all the way up the chairs of academia. If you don't pretend with us, we're going to fire you. <laughs> Excuse me? Excuse me. No, we have 72 genders. Excuse me? No, we don't look at the, the anatomy. We look at how you feel. You know that those professors in their cubicles when no one's looking, are smoking the biggest roaches people could. They're, they're, I mean, you have to be. You have to be half insane to come up with this stuff. It is illogical. You know, throw your ever-living mind away. Let us, let, us, let us teach you the higher learning. No, you're, you're insane. We have a word for it. You're an idiot. Now, I would last, if I was on college campus, I would last about 60 seconds. Oh, you need to go. I said, I know, I'm going. Because I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. And so we live in this world that's absolutely nuts. Critical race theory. That's another one. And I listen, notice this. For 70, church, 70 nations, we're cross-cultural. Critical race theory. You know what Critical Race Theory says? I've read many, many books. I know what it says. I'm not confused. Critical Race Theory says, the core of it, it is civil rights, it's, it's the Jim Crow laws in reverse, basically. That the white man is responsible for all the evils of the world. That's what it says. That's, um, literally, read it. Don't believe, read it. I am a white, heterogeneous male. I am the cause of all the evils of America. You said, no, 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 that's in writing. Another PhD. And that America is basically an evil nation. And I know we've done bad things, but you cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. Why is America where it is today? Because they had some great men who had some great principles and understood freedom, and all freedom comes out of Jesus Christ. Period. Full stop. So the further you get from Jesus, the more in hell we go. It's ridiculous. You look around the world, socialism always tanks everybody. The elite control everybody else, and now they push it as some new freedom. No, you're getting 
get the roach out of your mouth. But that's not, that's why CRT is an anti-gospel. The gospel always has redemption. The gospel always has forgiveness. The gospel has a new day. Now, if I'm stepping on your toes, let me step a little while longer because God will heal them. But I promise you, I have dealt with African-Americans for years. I grew up in Africa. I'm an African. I, I actually spoke the language of, of Malawi before I did English. And all my friends were Malawi children. So don't talk to me. I mean, I just, all I knew was Africans. Then I came to America and I learned to play with white people. <laughs> but I am an African. I love Africa. And I love African. And I am the greatest proponent for social justice and equality among the black people. I know wrong was done. And it gets me mad. But at the same time, don't swing it so far over here. Well, now I am the cause of it. Now, wait a minute. Where's the devil fit in this? <laughs> you know, El Diablo. Let's not forget him. He's around. And it wants to bring division. So thank God CRT is outlawed in Georgia. It's not allowed to be taught in the schools. <laughs> Out. You say, well, why are you saying all this thing? Because it's discouraging out there. And so we need to be about people. When we come in here, have something good to say about somebody. Yes. Now, don't make it up. Otherwise, that's not good. <laughs> but just be straight. Find a gift that someone has. Give him an accolade. I don't care if you tell Jonathan, hey, he plays guitar well. Tell him every time. Because people forget. Sometimes people that think that I'm impervious to everything. No, I also need some encouragement. I appreciate people come to me and say, Pastor, thank you for the sermon. Oh, Pastor, I appreciate that. We all need it. We need affirmation. We need encouragement. The Bible says, listen, Hebrews 3.13. It says, exhort one another daily. Give, give a word of encouragement. You know, just commend people for their service for children. Commend the parking lot attendant. When you drive by and they're out there in the rain directing you and your car where it's nice and warm, roll down the window. <laughs> Say, I want to thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate you directing the traffic. And we love you. And God bless you. No, that's what we need to do. Children's workers, thank them. If you've dropped your kid off there and had them work, with your child for two hours, you need to get on your hands and knees, offer, give them offerings, <laughs> polish their shoe, and just say, I appreciate what you did for me and helping my kid. No, seriously, we should be people that go out of our way to find something good to say about one another and to lift each other up. It's really the truth. I'm telling you, it is so important. That's what builds up the body of Christ. So we have our, in this house, we've got to learn that everything is not perfect. People come to a church thinking, I'm looking for the perfect church. You're looking for the ideal. And it's okay to, you know, I'm looking for a church where everybody loves everybody and not a contrary word is heard. That's my ideal. That's what I want. But then there's the real. Oh, what's the real? People get prideful. People get, in, as, as they get selfish. Uh, people get hurt feelings, so hurting people hurt other people. Uh, people become isolationists. People uh, become, uh, they, 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 they give retribution instead of forgiveness in the church. Oh, yes, in the church. And so you understand that we don't beat people up. I look at people, every person in this church, and I put a 10 on you in Jesus' name. There are no failures in God's kingdom, only learners. We're just learning. We're learning how to do this thing called life. And if you'll give grace to people and love people where they are and realize we're not hit ideal till Jesus comes. But I promise you this, with the move of God in these last days and revival fire, we can come pretty close to the ideal. Why not have a church that's like an oasis of love that anyone who comes from any persuasion, I don't care if you're a transvestite. I don't care if you're a PhD smoking weed. We will, we will love you. We, listen, we will not accept your practices or your beliefs, but we'll accept your person. And we will welcome you. And we will accept you. And we will be a help to you. For everybody. That's it. In Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, I got some people here. 
Daniel, wake him up. <laughs> Daniel, you're from Safe House, and we took you here as a guest. And that's okay. I realize it's not easy sleeping out there, so you're trying to catch them while you're here. But is this your friend? Yes. Are you both from Safe House? Yes, yeah. I volunteer there. Yo, you volunteer there? Thank you for coming. Listen, we honor you. Listen to me. We were at Safe House Friday. Let me say this. As a pastor of this church, I welcome you. And you are welcome anytime. We're for you. Amen? You know what? We're going to get rows of Safe House people. And uh, all the front row seats got to go someplace else. We're going to fill them up with a... I mean, I just... Amen? Just get radical for Jesus. Don't get nervous, front row seats. It's, it's okay. We'll, uh, we'll just move the front row even closer <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so um, we need to understand that uh, we need to understand that God has a mission for this church, every church. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 3, or chapter 4, I should say, verse 1 through 3. And it says these, I'm going to read three verses. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. Well, well, what am I called to? You're called to be a part of the family of God, a son and a daughter of God. That's your calling. And then it says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another to love. Oh, bearing with one, one another in love. And then it goes on to say, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Look up here. Everybody say Endeavoring. That word endeavoring has a lot to it. It means to be diligent, to be passionate, to be stirred up, to make it happen. Endeavoring. Endeavoring to do what? Endeavoring to keep or to guard, it says in the Amplified. To guard. To guard the, and keep the harmony and the oneness that's produced by the Spirit in the bond of peace, through the bond of peace. You see, you understand something. The devil is one goal is to disconnect us. He knows he wants to disconnect you from God. He wants you to disconnect you from your brother. That's why as a believer, you must be a person of forgiveness. Yes, people will hurt you, but don't unplug. You know, I notice people that unplug, they never really grow up. If you unplug through every hurt you get, it stunts your growth. If you unplug, you stay where you are. But if you stay plugged in and you go through the tough times, you go through, it's not easy, but you got to work it through. You know what? You will grow. You will develop spiritual muscle. You become a mighty man and woman of God. Let's not push around by the devil or your flesh. It's important we get this because we want to build strong, a strong body of, of uh, believers. And the Bible says out of Ephesians 2.14 that Jesus himself is our peace. You cannot get peace among differences of races and backgrounds without Jesus. Jesus is the great equalizer. Jesus, when he comes into you and you receive his anointing and you receive that infilling of the Holy Ghost, he, he, he like intoxicates you with his love. And there's something about when you get touched with the power of the Holy Ghost, you could love anybody. How do we know what that's like in revival where the power of God touches you? It's like you can love your worst enemy from your heart, not even fake it, just truly love them. Because why? God is at work in you to will and do with his good pleasure. And the Holy Ghost love is shed abroad on your heart by the Holy Ghost. That love of God is in you. And all you got to do is let it out. We have the potential to forgive each other, love each other, support each other, encourage each other, and never allow anything to separate us. That's the best. Amen. Now, I realize that sometimes God asks you to move on to the next church. That's fine. But most times what happens is we get hurt, our pride gets damaged, and it's easier to cut and run. That's how I respect people that come back to me. You know, we love people going, and we love people coming. And I respect people that come to me and say, Pastor, please forgive me. We left wrong. I want to be changed. I mean, I, I, want, to, I want to start over. I respect that person. You know what? They're mighty in God. Amen? I've had people come to me, you know, young Christians. I got them saved, baptized in the water, got them filled with the Holy Ghost, got them, had, uh, married them, uh, uh, christened their children, and had 10 years with them. But then they get the big head. 
I had one couple come to me. Uh, we, we, we want to talk to you. We're leaving the church. Okay. They had a notepad. I'll never forget it. And they're going to read off all the reasons why they were leaving. I remember one of them, uh, I'm not preaching. You're not letting me preach. Uh, it was all kinds of things that were kind of way out there. At first, I got real mad. You know, inside I said, you ungrateful, you ungrateful people. But I just changed it. I gave it to God. You know, God, this is your sheep. I didn't birth them. They're yours. They're yours. And so all I got to do is walk in love. That's all I got to do. So everything they brought up said, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And that's such a peace. They got done pages. I'm not kidding. It took them nearly an hour. And I remember I had the line. was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I had to say it. Uh, would there be anything else <laughs> that you have missed as you've been sharing your grievances? I'll never forget. They, they went through like this, all of them. Uh, uh, no, no, I think that covers it. I said, well, let me pray a blessing on you as you leave. And I generally meant that. You know what happens? Two years later, I get calls. They, they, they need counseling because I love them and leaving. Amen. They feel open to come to me. And so I've actually had it happen back and forth. You just love people. That's all you have to do. And people are just growing where they are. It takes all the pressure right off you. But everybody say unity. unity. You see, you have to work at unity. You have to work at unity. You have to make allowances. The Bible says you got to have lowliness of mind, which means humbleness of mind. Because pride, the Bible says strife only comes through pride. Can I tell you where unity starts? You. It starts with you. No, no, no. They gotta get no no. It's you. You have got to receive the responsibility. Humbleness of mind. Pride separates. Pride says, I don't need you. Pride says I can do without you. Pride isolates. But when you are truly of a humbleness of mind, meaning that you have the right, as it says that uh, Romans 12, 3, have a right estimation of yourself. God says in the word, don't think yourself too high, don't think yourself too low. Have a right estimation. Because you can either grovel in, I'm nothing, I'm so unworthy, I'm a worm. That's, that's not in the word. I'm the mighty man of God, I'm Superman, I split rocks. That's not true either. Somewhere in the middle is the middle. We have to fail to say, what does God say? God says, you're a son and daughter. Write that down. God says, you're forgiven. Write that down. God says, gave you the gift of righteousness. Write that down. You're justified by faith. Write that down. And so what he says is basically, outside of me, you're nothing. What? Zero. Not. But with me, you can do all things. So, it's in Jesus that we keep the balance of our personal identity. But you get outside of Jesus and you think it's you, your pride will shoot you right up and you'll do stupid things. It's through humbleness of mind and then it says gentleness. Gentleness is not the best translation. The King James actually puts it correctly. It's meekness. You look up the word meekness. It's a unique word. It has nothing to do with action. Gentleness relates to action. I'm gentle to, the, to, to you and how I act and how I behave. But meekness is really, it has to do with the inward working of the soul in relationship to God. Meekness is strength under constraint, uh, under, under control. It says that Jesus was meek, but he had all the resources of heaven at his disposal. You remember this when Peter cut off the ear of the high priest servant? Here's meekness. Jesus said, put your sword up. He said, I could call 12 legions of angels right now. I could have every one of these guards grabbed by the scruff of the neck by a 10 or 12 foot angel and just hold them up in the air and shake them like a rag doll. And Jesus could have said, you want some of me? But he was meek. Meekness is a horse. The Bible says a, a Bible. A horse is like five or seven men strength in just the neck. If you've ever ridden a horse, you know what I'm talking about. A horse, we have a rein and you have a, and you have a bit to control it. But I've ridden some crazy horses in my day. 
I had one horse that went sideways. I'm pulling with all my might. That thing took off like it had no bit in its mouth. It was so strong. It took another ride to catch it for me. Thank God. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. But the horse is powerful. But the horse, when it's under control, it's a picture of meekness. So here's the deal. When you deal with people, you could say this, but you don't say it. You could retaliate, but you don't retaliate. It says you forbear one another. I mean, you make allowances for one another. Like they said something that's wrong. They ticked you off, but you just let it go by. You say, I forgive them. I forgive them. And you love one another. I promise you, this is protecting the unity of, this, of the church. Because what divides it is when people don't understand the principles of keeping unity. What are the principles? Well, principle number one, which I just talked about, is humility. Let other people win. Let other, pe let, let other people be right. You don't have to win every fight. Seriously. I just, I've learned to shut my mouth. Even when I'm with other pastors, they talk about things that I don't agree with. In my earlier days, I was like God's defender of truth. I'd bring my sword out and way I'd go. And I don't do that anymore because, number one, it does nothing. It just stirs up the mud and everybody gets their opinions hurt. And I just said, just shut up. I just shut up. Unless they violate a principle that I can no longer stand on. Amen? And so I've got to recognize this is not <laughs> humbleness. Is you've, got to, you've, you've got to not look about. I love what the word someone said about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Meaning that you're not, your mind's not on you. Your mind's on helping the other person. Well, I say humility. I, I tell you what, that's the biggest trait we need to go for. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 and 5, it talks about this. It talks about the kind of mind we should have. This mind that looks to God. This mind that says, God, um, I, I want to do it your way in Jesus' name. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness, lowliness of mind. That's the humility of mind. Let each other, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look not out for his own uh, rights or benefits, but also, or interests, but also interests of others. And so the ministry of unity is number one, is humility. Number two is honesty. It says, Romans 12, 9, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy comes from what the actors did in Greece. When they would act, they had a mask over their face, and they would put it on, and that's how they acted. That mask portrayed their character. That's a hypocrite. So really, you're behaving what you really are not. When you say something that you really don't mean, that's loving people with an insincere love. You've got to be straight with people. Amen. You've got to be authentic. Because of time, I'm just going to jump to the end here. Everybody say authentic. And so when you deal with people and you're in a church like this, somebody, not today maybe, but along the line, is going to cross swords with you. Unknowingly or knowingly, they're going to offend you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to, something's going to happen. And how do I go about making it right? Well, number one, you got to be a person of prayer. you got to pray about that whole relationship. You know, sometimes in prayer, God will take care of it. You don't have to... Whip out the sword of confrontation. You don't want to use that if you have to. But if something has to happen and to make that relationship one again, then you have got to realize you've got to soak it in prayer. I like to use the word ventilate. What does that mean? Let out your emotions to God. Hey, God, this guy really ticks me off. This woman here is driving me round the tree, and I've already been around it 10 times. God, you need to understand my frustration here with this individual. I feel that they are hypocritical. I feel like whatever they are. But you can be, just tell God. 
But say, God, I want to get over this. I want you to heal this relationship because I feel it. And then that takes <laughs> prayer. Number two, you got to confront. Now, if you like confrontation, you need therapy. <laughs> you shouldn't want confrontation. It should be the last result, resort. But the book of Matthew 18, 15 it tell, Jesus tells you how to resolve conflict. Number one, get with somebody. By the way, take initiative. Some people they just stay with the burn of the saddle and never deal with it. It takes courage. As a pastor, I have to deal with it all the time. I deal with pastors that have issues with leaders, and I have to tell the leaders, I have to tell the pastor, pastor, if that issue has continued on and on and on, you have failed in your job to confront it. This one pastor when I was in South America said, no, we just, well, I just leave it to the mercy of God. No, we leave it, ultimately we leave it with God. Ultimately God's the one that does this. But, but no, there's a part you've got to play. As a leader, you must confront the issues. You know why people are hypocritical versus being honest? Fear. Fear of trouble, fear of rejection. They don't want to, they don't want to get honest. It'd be, it's easier wearing a mask. And let me tell you about masks. They never go off completely. You've got to, you can take it off for one thing, but you put it on for something else. you got to always work and get the mask off about being authentic, about being honest. So when you confront somebody, do it in prayer with a humble attitude. I've had to do that. And you go to them, and, and, and Jesus said, you go in private, and you tell them your grievance, you tell them the offense, you tell them things need to be worked through. What happens if they do nothing? What happens if they say, I'm right and you're wrong? Well, that's when you bring out your sword. No, no, you don't do that. <laughs> You go to the next level. Jesus got the next level. Jesus said, you get two or three other people, again in private, and you get with them. Has it happened to you, Pastor? Countless times. I mean, one lady, she was in the back. She called herself a prophetess. They're a very well-to-do family. And uh, she told me, the Lord has spoken to me about how you should run the service. <laughs> well, I went in one ear, out the other, and I went to God. I got nothing from God. The next Sunday, she, she corrected me. You didn't do what I said. I said, excuse me? I told you God said you should do this and that. I said, well, I don't feel that at all. I don't feel that. I talked to her. I said, you can't do that. That's one-on-one. -on -one. Third Sunday, she tipped my wagon. She said, hey, do you not understand that I'm telling you that this needs to be changed? The big J came over her head. J for Jezebel. I said, my God, I'm dealing with something that I need to bring before elders. So I said, let's have a meeting. I had her husband. They were leaders in the church. Had her husband come, and, and she came, and I went through it. I asked her husband, what does he think? He looked his head down. It's whatever she says. <laughs> Therefore, I know that he had his pants stolen from him years ago. <laughs> You're, she was wearing the britches. I, that's the absolute truth. I lost all respect for him. Man up, man. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Whatever keeps the peace. You'll turn into a worm. Got to get a backbone. Come on, that's another conversation. Got to get a backbone. I want to say sometimes a good old fight in a marriage is the most healthy thing you'd ever get. Let it, let it all out. Praise God. Let the fur fly. Amen. Let's get it out. Get everything on the table. Don't hold anything back. At least you know we're dealing with truth. <laughs> Seriously, people said, we've never had an altercation in 20 years. I said, someone's faking it. <laughs> Someone is faking it. No one's that good. I mean, I'm looking at him going, what? No. If you're married to my wife, you get by with nothing. I mean, she, she, she's, I, I love my wife. She just keeps me straight. <laughs> <laughs> no room for hypocrisy with my wife. None. <laughs> you said, you said that. <laughs> and soon the physician, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me one more time. <laughs> anyway, so you got to confront people with the truth. Now, <sighs> this is not easy. Because when you get done, they might not agree with you. But guess what you got to do? Forgive them. Number three, you got to keep forgiving and loving. Forgive love, forgive love, forgive. You can't stop that. 
You're going to still flow out of you. I forgive you and I love you. Even though we don't agree. Are you with me? But there's a fourth point which is so key. You can't quit. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on relationships. Are they never going to turn around? They're just hard as nails. No, you can actually, if you keep showing love, you're like wave on a rock. You're wearing it down. You're wearing them down. You're wearing them down. I cannot tell you how many people that I have had in the church that spend years of showing love. Then one day, they come in line. It's such a blessing to have people. Like, God, I get to love people that I can see they're not in the right space, but they don't see it, but have grace for them. That's part of being forbearing one another. Have patience. Not, not everybody's going to see it like that anyway. I've, I've, I've learned in human relationships, never think you're going to be like this. See, I'd, uh, if you get close, that's pretty good. Like right here, okay, you, you're kind of close. That's good enough until you get to heaven. Until you get to heaven. But you got to have humility to do this. You got to have honesty. And that confrontation, you got to be willing to confront people, to be authentic. Say, you know what? I want to talk to you. You know what happens with that? When you're straight with people and they're straight with you, they trust you. There's trust there. And then because there's trust, I can now commit to you. You can commit to me. But if I sense this hypocrisy, you know, some people, you can just sense it. They're telling you what you want to hear, but they're not really sharing their heart. Have you ever dealt with that? I mean, you deal with it. Pastor, praise God, you're wonderful. And inside you go, no, actually something else is going on. <laughs> pastor, you're the greatest pastor I've ever had. Something doesn't wash right. I'm telling you what. And, and, and sometimes it takes a, a little bit of pressure when people are under pressure. When people are under pressure, I found this out. You're being tested. A lot of times you're open to hear. Someone confronts you. They'll open up their heart because of where they are. But you know, it takes work. It's not easy. It takes work. You've got to be willing to get hit sometimes for the cause of Christ and be misunderstood and be accused of something you never intended. I just want to love you. People just can't believe that. I can't believe you want to just love me. I just want to love you. Is everybody still out there? Yes. Don't go home yet. And so I guess a couple of scriptures I'm going to tie this down. I want to talk about unity through diversity. I've got scriptures to give for you. It says here in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. What a unifying verse. There's neither black or white. Is Jesus white? <laughs> I've been all over the world. Jesus is painted whatever the culture is. I believe Jesus will shock us when he shows up. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. But I believe that Jesus, I don't believe he's white. Because 80% of the world is not white. And does it really matter? I believe that Jesus is a savior for the whole world, for every race. I believe it with all my heart. And so we need to understand these things that Jesus is a great unifier there's no male or female. Can you think about this? How many religions, like the Baptists just threw out Saddleback because they took on female pastors? No, no, no one can be a pastor but a man. Where does it say that in the Bible? Who made that up? Male or female? Grace here is a pastor. I've met her bishop over this huge denomination. And stand up, Grace. This is a church pattern. has four or five churches and holds crusades. Now listen, she's the only one of like, what, 1,500 pastors? 1,500 pastors. She's the only woman of the gust to stand up. Rachel, stand up. Rachel is a teacher of the Bible. She's been all over the world teaching in Africa how that the Africans need to accept the Jewish people. Don't curse Israel. Bless her. Maria Woodworth Edder was a woman, 40 years, all over America. 
Emerson McPherson started the Foursquare Church. Catherine Kuhlman ran one of the greatest healing revivals ever seen in this nation. In God, there's no, listen, there's no male nor female, black or white, Jew or Greek, slave or free. You know, he said, listen, we're all one. It means God looks at us the same and wants to use us the same. Don't make divisions he never made up. Come on now. And that's why, let me say this to you. Brother Ted Schultz told me, he said, because it takes extra work to have a cross-cultural church. And I'm getting it. Next week, I'm talking about how we got to work with the family, the natural family. You know, it's more difficult today to pastor than ever before because the structure of the family has crashed. And you have to deal with every item in the family that used to be handled on the family end, but now it's not being addressed. Can, can I tell you one thing great about the church? Only in the church will people tell you the truth about you. Only in the church is that kind of atmosphere where people will be real and you can grow from it. But I've got to be truthful. I've got parents that don't know how to contain the children. They don't understand that phone is the, is the entryway to hell. And if you don't control the phone, your kid will be more influenced by that phone than anything else you give that child. Now listen to me, and I've got parents, I'm bringing parents, not always, uh, you know, by, I mean, oh, I said male or female, just some of got singles, but I've, I've talked to them, I'm going to film them, I'm going to show them next week in the middle of my sermon. And I'm going to talk about family, because you know what we, what we should do? There's a supply in the house that can supply you. You need to learn how you can control the environment in your home so you can raise a godly child. You, but but uh, that won't come automatically. It'll become because you're trained. It's like right now, we're training. Listen, this is training how to be one. You think we'll all be one. No, it will not come automatically. It'll, be, it'll, it'll, it'll become because you take the principles of God. you got to endeavor to guard unity. I mean, it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. you got to stick with it, and you can never quit. But we're going to be... The, a supply for every family so this house can raise godly seed because that's the purpose of you coming together. Malachi 2 says that you would raise godly seed. And we're going to see godly seed raised out of this church. And you're going to become mighty in God because you're willing to take correction and willing to take ad admonishment and love and encouragement. Amen. You need it all, baby. Where was I? I'm closing. I'm closing. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We get to drink of the Holy Ghost, and he makes us one. Only Jesus makes us one. I said this before. Your commitments and your willingness to make choices that lead to unity, the Holy Ghost will get behind them and push it into reality. But if you make the wrong choices and the wrong commitments, you block the power of the Holy Ghost. One choice right now is you showed up to church. That's the right choice. You make a commitment to the house of God. I'm going to commit to the house. I will not be a, I will not be a spectator. I'll be a, 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 a participator. Easy for you to say. <laughs> and one last thing, Colossians 3.11. Where there is neither Jew... Greek or no Jew, circumcised or non uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. He just tries to bring it over and over again that this can be done because it's done in the spirit and now we just got to hook up with the Holy Ghost and he'll allow us to become one even as he has told us we can become one. And so we got to realize that only the church, that's all of the church, the church is a place where your faith is built up. The church is the place where you capture your mission for your life. The church is the place where the fellowship can, can, when you're going through a tough time, get behind you and hold you up so you come through successfully. The church is the place where you release the talents of God and fulfill the destiny that's on your life. That's why the church is precious. That's why the church is wonderful. And that's why the church, you're going to love your brothers and sisters and you must stand to protect it. Yeah. Hallelujah.
Pastor Willie, I'm, I'm trying to end it, but I go back to something I said before because he heard my first sermon. When you protect the church, you watch your mouth. The Bible says in James 3, 6, your, your tongue is like a fire. It sets the whole world on fire. Your tongue. The Bible says beware of gossips. Someone wants to talk about negativity. I would not allow someone to run somebody else down in my presence. You start talking bad about a minister or any minister. I stay away from people. I'll stay away from other ministries or run down. There's some minister want to run down Brother Kenneth Copeland. I'm sorry. I'm not listening, listening to you anymore. Brother Copeland's done more to help people around the world, and you're sitting there tearing him down? Just, just, well, I don't like this. Just maybe just Sierra La Boca, for favor. Just don't say anything. Well, I'm thinking it, but just don't say it. Well, what are you trying to say? Shut up! <laughs> Think of your mind. That these two ears are not garbage cans, people to fill it with trash. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm going to keep my heart pure before God, and I'm going to be in love with my brethren. And if they don't see what, I, if I don't like what I see, I'm praying for them. Yes. Do you get that? But you got to protect this thing called the body of Christ. This is your family. And you know what the joy is going to be? I believe it. As this last wave of God's coming, and it's coming in Asbury, Sanford, Lee University, and in Roswell, Georgia, the move of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, Jesus said, people are looking for genuine communities that have each other's back. They want to see a demonstration of love that transcends whatever the world can give. The world cannot reproduce what we have because they don't have Jesus. But when you get Jesus inside you, he tells us that we can reproduce heaven on earth. We can be an oasis of love where everyone's embraced and loved and encouraged and strengthened. And where, the, and where that love that's released brings healing to hearts that are broken. So this house is open to anyone who wants to come. We're going to love you. I mean that. Are you excited? Yes, sir. It was say, I will protect, I will protect my, church. my church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. You've given us opportunities. Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.